And welcome to That Sounds Interesting podcast. Today, I'm doing an interview with Roisin Cure, who's done hundreds, if not thousands, of urban sketches and um, produced two books. So welcome, Roisin. I'm delighted to have you on my podcast today. Thanks so much, Frank. It's a real pleasure to be here. Starting out, actually, by, by getting a few basic questions. Have you always been painting? Yeah, I've, I've always been drawing and painting. That's just what I did ever since... I can remember um, my big moment came, my sport, a wake up moment came when I was about seven and my mum bought me a massive poster from the National Gallery of Bruegel's Peasant Wedding. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how big it was, but it seemed to take up the whole entire wall to a seven year old. And I had it beside my bed and I just gazed at it as children do. I just got lost in it. Time sort of stopped and I just loved the shapes and the lines and I couldn't articulate at all what it was about that particular painting that I loved so much. I just knew I loved the colours and I loved the lines. And to this day, I, I that's how I draw strong, bold lines and simple colours. So um, did you go to art college or are you self-taught or, you know? Self-taught, self-taught. Um, I spent a year in art college. Um, um, and in fairness, you could say that I was taught because, I mean, that was a real hothouse experience at 17 years old um, to be suddenly with people who were in your tribe and for the first time. So suddenly you weren't the, the strange one. Everybody was a bit odd. Uh, we didn't think we were. We were just happy. We were just happy together. So I had a very tight bunch of friends in, in NCAD. And um, after a year, as many of the young artists does, I went a bit wobbly and uh, went off and wobbled around the place. So that was the end of uh, my formal career in art, in art education. Well, it's good that you actually got the experience of going there. Well, Frank, let's just uh, uh, expand on that a little bit. To be honest, um, I did not fit into NCAD. I did not fit in and I didn't know that I didn't fit in. All I knew was that I was failing. I was failing every way possible, every way it was possible to fail. I failed. I was told very, very uh, directly that my work was absolutely awful. And I was 17 years old. I can't put into words how it crushed me, but there's a happy ending. Yes, it crushed me and yet it ripped the confidence that I had away. And my identity all my life had been that I was really good at art. That's just the way it was. And suddenly I was having people who whom I looked up to and, and who I respected telling me my work was SH1T. That's what they said to a 17 year old. And I was utterly crushed. My confidence was gone and I left college and, as I say, took a wobbly path for the next few years. And I don't want to lay it on them, but it wasn't unconnected. I didn't know who I was. My self-esteem was in shatters. I am so grateful that that happened because walking away from art and leaving that world behind allowed my voice to develop in isolation. I had no one to refer to, to look at, only only the artists who'd gone before me, only the dead ones. That's all I had. I didn't know any artists. I didn't know anybody in the art world. People would say to me, oh, have you seen the work of so-and-so? I'd say, no, don't know it. So 
That is how my nascent voice began to develop. I just drew what I wanted. So for that, I am so grateful. And I'm grateful for all that happened in the interim, all the rejections, all the galleries who turned me down, even though I wanted to go and torch the premises for each and every one of them, (laughs) each and every one of them. But little did I know that it was just the universe, and I'm not a hippie, but it was just the universe showing me that my path was a different way. And as I say, everything turned out fantastically well in the end. So I'm very grateful. Well, that, that's good. And that's a hugely positive uh, approach. And as it turns out, really, even when negative things happen, if you have a positive approach, generally speaking, you manage to get over things much easier. And it seems like you you had that approach. No, and, I, I wouldn't and, say that, Frank. I just, some things can't be kept down. Um, I was I was crushed. I continued to be broken and crushed, but some things can't be kept down and nobody was going to stop me drawing. It couldn't happen. And nobody could stop me painting. It just wasn't possible for anybody to do that. So I continued to take joy in my drawing. And then I set up a business um, that offered illustration at its core in 2009 and I ran it for about five years and I drew and drew and drew for my, I was, I was doing um, bespoke wedding invitations and I would draw the bride's story, the couple's story from the moment they met until the moment that they got married. So I drew. What a brilliant idea. Thank you. It was wonderful, Frank. And my, my, my special moments were when I would hand the box of invitations over to the beautiful bride and she'd be all in the flush of preparations for her upcoming wedding and she'd have her long, long fake nails and the hand would go up to the mouth and you'd see the perfectly manicured nails and then she'd start crying. And that was always very special because I would draw her dad there. I would draw her mum. I would draw her her bridesmaid. And, you know, it was no problem for me to draw them in a very special, beautiful way. It came very easily to me. But I drew so much because there was always redraws to do that eventually my own handwriting as an artist started coming out very clearly. Um, and I, it was obvious to me who I was. Some, again, some people know from a very early age others don't and struggle to be what they call different but I didn't know that I needed to find my voice but when my voice arrived it was very clear to me it was very clear ah so that's what that's who I am and I found out who I was and there was no wonder that I didn't fit into art college because who I turned out to be was not something that was something that was taught in art college I was always very light humored very very funny I mean I'm going to say it very funny as an artist I love humor I grew up with the works of Tintin and uh, Goscinny and Uderzo. Um, they were Tintin was a huge influence um, on on my art, my development of my art, and I was always longing for that lean Claire, that beautiful clean line, which that's how I draw. Um, but also the funny, I loved the funny, and all the way I ended up in university and I did science, and all the way through my science education. I always illustrated our, um, whenever we were having a laugh, I'd whip out a piece of paper and draw a comic strip of all of us. And it just made us all fall about laughing. You know, it's a super talent to have. And, you know, you could easily have got into um, uh, doing um, cartoon development, I guess. Well, as you well, say because- easily, Frank, but I couldn't. Nobody would give me a job. I tried for... 20 years and I got turned down left, right and centre. And you can't imagine the frustration of knowing what I was capable of, knowing that I could draw anybody in an instant and and not just capture how they looked, but capture the soul. With two little dots for eyes, I was able to capture a soul. And yet I couldn't get a job. I could not get a job. 
I couldn't get a job as a cartoonist. I couldn't get a job as an illustrator, a writer, an artist in a gallery, nobody, nowhere. And that's where I was when I was raising my kids. And as I say, the only reason I came out the other side was because you can't stop some people. And then the internet was around and suddenly it turned out that the public loved what I did. And I, didn't, I no longer needed permission from anybody. And that was the turning point. How did, how did you move on from um, the wedding invitations? Well, as I say, I began it in 2009 and it was a great business. It was really lucrative. Um, I loved it. I loved my ladies. I loved working with them. Um, and then in 2012, my husband and I went to Mauritius. We took a sabbatical and we went to live in Mauritius. Um, my husband is half Mauritian and he has family there and he really had always wanted to spend some time there. Um, People used to say to me, what are you going to do when you go to Mauritius for six months? And I say, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know, but I'm open to whatever happens. And my husband is a very progressive, uh, forward thinking person. And he gets very excited at the thought of possibilities. Um, and he always told me that in his mind, Mauritius was a, was a place of possibilities because it's a tiny island, very outward looking, and people have to be very quick and nimble on their feet. So they're very entrepreneurial. And that was the atmosphere that I landed in. So that was the atmosphere. That was the first thing. We were there for about three weeks when I received a copy of Danny Gregory's Everyday Matters for my birthday. My mum had insisted that I brought a huge pile of gifts for my birthday. She still basks in the glory of knowing that that's what kicked it all off. And I will be, I tell her all the time, mum, mum, I'm so grateful you know that. Um, and as I read through the book, Danny talks about um, a, a personal tragedy that happened in his own life. And he had to find ways to overcome the emotional and, well, practical difficulties, something to take his mind off his troubles. And he began to draw things around him, bathroom cabinet full of bottles of pills and lotions and so on, nothing special. And he said he drew it about 30 times and then it suddenly starts to look okay. And the book really draws you in. It's, he writes extremely well, Danny does. I was about halfway through the book and I looked up at the swimming pool in the beautiful tropical villa that we were staying in. This glorious pool surrounded by palm trees. And I said to myself, why am I not sketching? In fact, I said it out loud. I said, why am I not sketching? And I went upstairs, I grabbed my little bits of pens and paper and so on that I'd brought. I hadn't brought much stuff with me. And I started drawing the gifts, the birthday gifts that my kids had given me. Again, no big deal, no big serious subject. And I knew in that moment that my life was about to change. And it did. Wow. And I spent the rest of the six months, after about a week of drawing things in the house, I took my courage in my hands and I went out and started drawing outside on the road. And I drew on the seashore and I was so terrified. My heart would not stop knocking inside my chest. And... All that happened was a, a, a very tall Mauritian lady in workers' clothes. She stopped sweeping the, the road beside me and she said, Vous dessinez la mer? Are you drawing the sea? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, the sea is beautiful. And off she went. And that is very, it's very typical of the kind of thing urban sketches say to you. They come into your Zen moment with you and they just be... Um, the initial worry, I guess, was that people would be coming by and criticising no, and whatever. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't even as concrete as that. It was just, it was just, maybe it's a female thing. It was just fear of putting myself into the public by myself in a, in a, in a land where I, that I didn't know. Um, 
it was just it was just a, a primal fear. It wasn't. I I don't mind if people look at my stuff and say they can say what they like. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. <laughs> Work away. <laughs> I've had I've had young fellas say you have done that bit wrong. Do you, do you see that bit over there? That doesn't look like that. And I'm like, really? Do you want to do, do, you want to do it yourself? <laughs> so I don't mind. I, I love when people come and chat and uh, I really do. I love it. But uh, so it wasn't that. It was much more basic, much more, much more uh, primal. Um, anyway, that was the first day and it evolved into six months of days driving around the little hire car that we had around an island full of really, really calm, friendly people. Um, and then I came back to Galway and I continued it and uh, things began to grow from there. I think it, it that was great to have that uh, suddenly discover what you were supposed to be doing, I guess. It and was. that's the key element that's in there. And it, that's very evident in your work. You know, I've... Um, much more so in the the book about uh, Galway urban sketching because that's much more personal, I think, uh, compared to even though I really liked your other book and we can talk about that again in a second. The the one uh, which was the urban sketchers yeah. one, I felt that it you were describing your life in pictures. Yeah. They, sorry, Frank, they, they, they had very different focus. I mean, the personal memoir was exactly that, a personal memoir. And the guidebook was exactly that. It was a how-to guidebook. So believe me, I really want to be, and I, as anybody who follows me on social media knows, I get personal in seconds. That's, I share, that's what I do. I talk about my life. Um, but it wasn't, unfortunately, I, much as I would have loved to have done that in my guidebook, it wasn't a place for um, talking about <laughs> what happened when I drew such and such. It's a place for telling you how to draw. So I had to keep it very, very tight. You set up a, a group for urban sketchers in Galway. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. It was 2014 and I really wanted to set up a local chapter. So um, I happened to hang out with um, a guy, Donald Fallon. He He's a lovely, lovely Galway artist. And we were, uh, I think we were doing a Dr. Sketches event one day and I said it to Donald and Donald said, you know what, I had the exact same thought, um, let's do it. And at the time, you needed to have three people to set up a chapter. So we asked a friend of Donald's, a guy called Jay Penn. And the three of us became the co-founders of Urban Sketchers Galway. And we, Donald's amazing. He's the sort of person who just goes around to people sitting around sketching and just very quietly asks them about themselves and what they're drawing and why. Um, so um, we, we really enjoyed it for a couple of years. Then uh, Jay had other focuses and Donald had other focuses. Um, Donald runs another drawing group. And I was very tied up with my kids. So it began to kind of take a bit of a backseat. And then um, a few years later, I kind of kickstarted again on my own because I think the guys, as I say, they had other focuses. And um, and then we had a great time for a few years. And then um, at the moment, um, uh, technically, I suppose I'm still at the helm, but two girls, two women in the group are running it now. And hopefully we couldn't go out at all last year. So hopefully we'll be able to get a chance this year. Yeah, the last year was uh, um, uh, difficult for, for anybody doing urban sketching, I guess. Yeah, it was. I did start out drawing everything in pencil first and then inking on top over in Mauritius. Um, that's how because I was tentative I was nervous and everything had to be right but eventually you just develop a fluency if you if you draw enough you develop a fluency and I will say um that it was one evening after dinner that um and there'd been a couple of glasses of wine drunk and I was just sitting around husband was doing the dishes very 
very lovely situation to be in. And I grabbed my sketchbook, took out a big black pen and I drew the glass, the glasses on the table, the empty bottle of wine and no pencil. And I just, because of course I had a little bit of, as they say, the Dutch courage from the wine. I was feeling a bit relaxed and not uptight. And I never, I never, I never looked back. So I, I, little by little, it didn't all happen overnight, but it got to the stage where I would draw just the merest suggestion of a circle or a square with a pencil. And then I would, that would just sort of pinpoint my place on the, on the page. And then I, I kind of feel confident that I had made the transition to a flat piece of paper and away I'd go. Now I just jump in with a pen. Uh, okay. And actually, I think, it, and this possibly was in one of your books, actually. If you make mistakes, you just continue on with the yeah. pen. And then when you p- p- paint afterwards, then you can't actually see those mistakes. They're not very obvious. And so yeah. it doesn't matter. So I, I, I still do pencil, I have to say. But I, one thing I did pick up from your style, I have to say, is I used to use uh, black ink, but now I use brown ink and not brown ink. And it's a, you know, very good idea. Everybody's going around with the brown now. They can't, you can't even get it because I tell everybody you got to use brown. It's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, let's talk about a few materials that you use uh, for a minute or two, uh, uh, Roisin. Um, like, I know you use a pen, you use a food day pen, and uh, is that what you primarily use? Uh, and like, what sort of uh, paints do you use? I only use a foodie pen. Um, it's got a 55 degree nib, which means it's bent at an angle of 55 degrees. And the bent bit, um, you would swear somebody had dropped it when you look at a pen with a nib that's bent like that. But the, the bent aspect of it means that you can get everything from a very thin to a very wide line. So that's why it's very versatile. Um, in terms of paints, I use Roman Schmal um, Aquarius watercolors. So um, occasionally I have other brands in there, but mostly Roman Schmal. He's amazing. He's Polish. Um, absolutely fantastic. And uh, I've been very proud to supply his paints for the last while. Um, and it's great to have my own personal watercolor guy, because e- even a couple of days ago, he said to me that he has some new colors that he's been um developing and he'd like my opinion and i'm thinking what i'm like a sommelier of watercolor this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) so i'm very happy about that development you get familiar with different types of colors and different pigments and paints you know after a while and then you want just those well correct yeah yeah you do and if you're lucky you you can work with a watercolor supplier who'll develop your own palette and and roman is good enough to um, put my own selection of paints that and that's the selection that i sell now so they're my curated palette which i developed with urban sketching in mind it's not a plein air palette and the difference is that the colors are much um much more intense and bright in my palette there you can always make a muted color but you can't brighten it up so i go for very uh, very intense hot colors and um or wild colors and then you can always because that way you can capture anything that's man-made or synthetic in the environment um but you can always mucky them up by adding whatever brown or gray or something like that but um with my palette, you can capture anything you want in the man-made environment, so in the built environment, so it's really good. Okay, uh, Payne's Grey, for example, is always good to modify things a little bit, I find, I love actually. Payne's Grey, it's fab. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. Um, so paper, like what type of paper do you mostly well, draw I've and Well, I've tried an awful lot of sketchbooks um, over the years. Um, there's a kind of an alchemy that happens when you have the right sketchbook and you have the right paper. Um, I Drawing and painting is a funny thing. 
It's like Roald Dahl with his, his whatever he used to use, his yellow foolscap and his pencil or whatever he had. I, I, I have to have the right paper. And once I have the right paper, then I know that there's nothing in the way of the magic happening. Um, so having tried many, many sketchbooks, I use the Hanamula uh, watercolour sketchbook and it's 200 grams. But the really special thing about it is, apart from the fact that it's, it's quite well priced, is that there's no uh, size or finish on the paper that stops the watercolour doing what watercolour wants to do. Of course, yeah, exactly. You have to, it has to be able to move. The paint has to be, watercolour paint has to be able to move on the uh, paper through, depending on how wet it is. But I guess because you're doing, um, like not painting holes, the whole surface of the paper, you could easily get away with 200 grams. Whereas if you were painting, if we were where you were doing many layers, or maybe you do many, Oh, I do, do many, I do many, do many layers yeah. and it's, it's, it's man enough for the job, 200 grams this particular type of paper it's perfectly able to take that one of the things I found with regard to sketchbooks is that the sketchbook was um, uh, I found A5 sketchbooks a little bit limiting in terms of size and A4 were too big to carry around so what do you what do you use I use A5 but I, I open it to a double page spread so there's your happy medium okay okay that's a uh, that's a great solution I have it to is. say it's as brilliant. well yeah yeah um, so, um, okay, so look, just moving on, uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about yeah, the courses, the online courses, which you've been sure. been running. Uh, well, um, I've, what can I say to you? It's It's been a revelation since the start of the pandemic. Um, I was very lucky. I was, I, I have been teaching children in my local village for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, I suppose. Um, and this particular bunch of kids from my local village are a very special bunch of kids. They they stole my heart and they knew that and we, we, we love each other. <laughs> and in March last year, when they could no longer meet each other and because they're very close with each other as well, they're all 10, 13, 8, 8, 8 to 13, all of them. Um, but a lot of them are good friends and they couldn't bear not even being able to nip into the back garden to see their pals. So they asked me, would I teach, continue to teach through Zoom? And of course I said, fine, but I haven't a clue how to do it. And so that didn't matter. Kids don't care. So we did it together and we had some fun. And I had been doing that for about two months. It doesn't suit all children. Some children just don't want to be there. Very, very interesting. Some kids are born to it. Digital natives, totally happy with their headphones and their screen. Other kids just want to be physically present. So it's it's a tricky one. It's a tricky balance for the poor teachers. Anyway, at the end of May, at the end of Mar uh, April, at the end of April last year, I started deciding to take it to my followers and friends online. And I did that. I started at the, in the beginning of May last year and I have not looked back. And it's a very wonderful and special thing. Um, I love my students. We, we, we get on famously. The format is ideal for teaching what I teach. Um, I have a downward facing camera, so everybody has a ringside seat. Um, they, can, they We draw from scratch, from the very first blank page. Um, and the idea is that everything they copy from me is has been drawn from life. I don't use photos as, as reference points. So I am, the, I, am, I am one step away from drawing from life. Um, and in that sense, I teach uh, I try to pass on the challenges that have happened to me 
while I was drawing that item, whatever it is, that subject. And I try to preempt that same challenge that they will have and tell them how to get over it because this is something I've done many, many hundreds of times and I have a lot of experience that I can pass on to them. And always, 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 I encourage them to sketch their own world, whether that's in their own home or whether it's outside the home, whether it's drawn from their car looking out the window or where they might feel safe and secure and warm and dry or whether it's something more exotic like sketching on a holiday. And there's no... I have a Facebook group for our group and there's no drawings from photographs in the group. There's no drawings from imagination. They are very welcome to post whatever they like as long as it's from life because that's where life happens. And it's so much more than drawing. It's so much more than painting. It's living life. And it's 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 and it forced you to observe exactly from you know I guess that that's a key skill and translate that into an image on page. It does. That's a very valuable thing. Well, it is, and it was actually my friend Blaze uh, Blaze Smith and I were in art college and NCAD together, and Blaze and I uh, were talking about that once, and uh, Blaze put it very well. He said, "There's just not enough information in a photo." and there just isn't enough information. So you can't see properly. Everything is has already been um, translated by the camera onto 2D and the light might be funny or the lines might not be uh, as clear as you might like them, but you just can't see well enough. Can we talk a little bit about the books if if, if we've got time? I don't I know. No, it's I fine. Know Absolutely. Yeah. Drawing expressive people, first of all. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could we could talk a little bit about that for a second. Sure. So the barbershop is mostly the same color all the way through, except for little highlights of yellow. So something about it that struck me was the the keenly observed um, uh, barber actually looking to get the little uh, uh, close cut on that person's head. So I'm not usually that lucky. Um, I used to take my son Paddy to the barbers um, for years and years, ever since he decided he wanted to go to the barber. He was a young fella. He was only about 11 or 12. And uh, rather than sit and do nothing, I would sit and sketch the barbers. So I have a very large collection of barber, barbershop sketches. Um, they're very hard to do because barbers are very quick on their feet. Um, and the barber you saw there, that's that's the legend barber in Oran Moore. And that's Ali. And Ali's great. Ali's brilliant. The only thing about Ali is Ali likes to talk while he works and he has to stop barbering when he talks. <laughs> so I have to learn to stop. <laughs> Don't interrupt Ali or we'll be here all day. So um, uh, just moving on to uh, Santiago de Compostela. Mm-hmm. So you uh, captured some people actually who were um, at a table having coffee, which is one of your favorites, I must say, always capturing people having coffee. So this pandemic must have been completely uh, 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 interrupting that type of activity. Well, it was, Frank, it was. But I mean, the reason I like to draw people having coffee is because they're relaxing. They're not going anywhere. So it's just a practical reason. Sure, it looks really nice thing to draw, but it's just practical. I, I can do it because they're not moving. They're not going anywhere and they don't notice you, you know. And even if they do, they're delighted. You know, they they love they love to see someone sketching them. It's really nice. No, in the pandemic, I pivoted in terms of my sketch, my sketchbook. I just drew my family and I drew the nature on my doorstep. And I live in a really stunning part of Galway. And within our two kilometers, as it was to begin with, I have a whole world. I have trees bursting into bud and I had stone walls and I had the river and all the flowers. And I had my kids always, all the time. So I have my dog. I had beautiful things to sketch and I kept a blog every day um, throughout the first three months until work took over with the um, 
with the classes and then I couldn't do both anymore. But um, for the first few months, um, it was wonderful for me to have a focus. I have to have a sketch for the blog and I have to write the blog and I have to hit publish before midnight or it won't count as today's entry. Um, so that gave me a great focus. And I look back on the, on the sketchbooks. I call them my uh, living in lockdown sketchbooks. And um, they, they'll always mean a lot to me. They'll always mean a lot to me. They're my, my kids and my life and my family. So a really, really special time for me. No, no, uh, no coffee shops. It did force us uh, to look at things that were in our area that we must have might have overlooked, overlooked before. I found that when I did the um, Inktober challenge, though I was doing a Black Rock uh, uh, urban sketches, but it was in, I used it as in, in the Inktober 31 day challenge, and I found lots of buildings that you know I'd never seen before. I, I'd passed them a million times, but I'd never look at them in detail. Yeah. And so I'm getting a good sense of what, what, what you were actually doing. Yeah, it's wonderful uh, doing. how drawing makes you see. Yeah. So um, you have a great um, uh, sketch of elderly people. And there's an inside, there's a, another inner um, room where there are people um, having a meal or uh, maybe yes, a drink or yes. something. I think I know the one you're talking about. Um, I, 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 again, elderly people are great to draw because they aren't skittish and jump around like kids. Um, they're in some ways their faces are easier because the lines are a bit more defined. Um, I just like drawing anybody and anything. Um, there's, there's no subject that I don't want to draw. I don't think. Moving on to one other one, which was Cafe Klimt in Vienna. Yeah. That was a very special day, bringing us back to the beginning of the the show today. Um, I went to, I was lucky enough to go and visit the Bruegel exhibition in Vienna, and my husband's other half of his family are Viennese, um, and his cousins welcomed me in a beautiful, warm Austrian welcome. Um, they welcomed myself and Marcel, my husband, and we had just come from the exhibition. Um, and the tickets were like hen's teeth. We were very, very lucky to have them. And uh, with my husband's cousin and her, her partner, we went to the Café Klimt and um, I informed them that cakes would be drawn and they would be drawn. And uh, I kept the colour palette as always. I look for the salient colours in any scene and then I emphasise them. Um, and I keep the other colours to, to a minimum and that way you don't end up with a great big clash and things look very tasteful so that's just a really handy thing it's also practical because it means you don't have to swoosh around too many colours when you're actually in a little cafe surrounded by you know, Actually, that's a great idea, mm. and I know you use that approach yeah. for doing the barber shops Very because so. you focus on the on, and and Cafe Klimt, um It was uh, yellow, that's that, right. Yellows various and different reds. types. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which is super. Okay, just moving on. I won't go, go, won't stay on too many of these, but just a couple more of yeah. them actually. Nocton's Galway. That's a great uh, um, picture, I have to say, and I love the bottles and the person sitting at the bar. Oh yeah, and yeah, the people yeah. Chatting. Yeah, that one was. Um, it was just a very typical example of how sketching can just be a lovely way to spend a day, really. Um, it was a January afternoon. The rain was coming down Galway style, horizontal and in freezing cold needles. And um, I traipsed down Key Street and in I went to the pub and the, the snug was free. And in I popped and just got drawing. Um, and the, the, the bliss just takes over. You just fill in every little line, every little bottle. And I concentrated totally on capturing what I felt, which was the beautiful hot orange flower in the foreground 
and then the middle ground the man having his coffee and reading the paper and then the backdrop of all those gorgeous bottles so um yeah really enjoyed that and that particularly bluey green uh, color on the background is what caught my eye i have to say but actually just talking about uh, drawing a painting isn't there you get in a kind of a zone when you're doing it and time goes by what you're just doing so i find this anyway yeah that you and you get completely absorbed by it. You do. It's a very, um, I, I'm sure people with uh, far more brilliance and expertise than I will tell you what's happening in the brain when you start focusing on something that you're doing with your hands. Um, so it could be anything. It could be growing orchids or it could be, I don't know, gardening or pigeon fancying. I don't know, pottery. But for me, it's sketching and you're totally absorbed with what your hands are doing um, and you're transmitting those signals, I suppose, down to the hand all the time about what you're what you're processing with your eyes. And it time stops, stops and you can sit for many hours without feeling cold or hungry well, you, you are freezing. I mean, I'm like a block of ice half my life, to be honest. But you don't really notice. It's only when you put the pens away and you can't actually handle the zips on your pencil case and you can't do up your buttons in your coat and you can't put your hat on and you can't fold up your stool and you have to go, OK, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? And you go into a cafe with your bits and pieces tucked under your arms and get your hands back to life. I have a circulation uh, problem as well so it's unfortunate for outdoor sketcher in Ireland but I have I have very severe rhinos um so my poor old hands are like uh white claws after a couple of hours even an hour on the street so that's a real problem for me but you know but you draw faster you draw and paint very fast it's it's so. not yes I, I do suffer with my hands but it's like I was saying it you don't just not feel cold or hungry or thirsty you also don't notice pain or discomfort those things are yeah. there you just don't notice it you're not conscious it brings of it. you to another place it does. actually that's that's really it the does. key, key it element it of it does it brings you a great serenity in your life that i mean I, I i'm still a very neurotic person but i am a million times calmer and more serene than i was before i started sketching i mean i'm a much happier person which makes me a much better mum and a much better wife um, I must remind that of my husband to, to my husband today <laughs> <laughs> Okay just a couple more now on the other book actually and the one, my favourite book actually which is your your Urban Sketching in Galway The River Carob actually I like that you know the long line of houses and the river in front of it and the boat Yeah I mean that that, that has uh almost put my kids through college not that they're in college I'm just you know making a, a, a euphemism but um, that scene is so popular um, of the long walk and the river Carib. it's iconic Galway scene um, the colourful traditional houses um, but I love drawing it I can never get enough of it I love drawing it but the um, yeah that's just a really really adored scene of Galway and and the Spanish arch as well where you're looking down I, I think you said in the book you actually have a, you go into some room upstairs in another building yes, and there's a it, nice view that's down. right I was very fortunate it was Galway City Museum and there are very good people um, in Galway City Museum very good people and um, and I sat uh, at an upper floor window and I looked out and I just got into that zone two um, two A4 landscape sheets in a sketchbook um, open to a panoramic strip and um 
Um, um, another time I was sketching in the museum and I was so cold as usual. And uh, one of the women who works there, she looked up and she said, Roisin, are you okay? And she said, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yes, please. Not knowing what she offered me. And she came up, she came up a few minutes later with a hot water bottle. That's what we're talking about. That's where that's 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 how lovely these people are. So um, yeah, the, the, if ever you feel a bit down about humankind, just get out and start sketching, and you will find that people are so good, so warm, so kind, um, and they will go out of their way to make you comfortable and to make your experience better. Well, that's really that's very good to, to have that. Yeah. In fact, actually, I follow a few people online who do um, not urban sketching, but they do uh, plain air painting. Uh, one of them that comes to mind is. Michael Chamberlain, an American artist, and he paints along just below San Francisco, all along the coast there, mm-hmm. and he's always painting. And he does, he's done hundreds of, of uh, plein air paintings, but people come by and he's talking to people and whatever else. He really enjoys it. So there is a great sense of getting involved in some ways when you're actually doing it, just by coincidence more than anything else. It's more than that, Frank. People, people are not meeting your gaze when they come and watch you sketch, they can look at what you're drawing. And because they're not meeting your gaze, they're at their ease and they talk. They just talk and they'll tell you about their lives and they'll tell you about their opinions on the world. And I just love it. I love it. I love listening to them. I will often um, write what they've said. Obviously, I don't mention any names because I don't know any names, but I'll often use a snippet of conversation in my writing um, just to share uh, my my moment of humanity with shared humanity with, with, with my readers and my viewers. So I consider myself to be very privileged. Well, it's great to have that communication, I have to say, certainly. Mm. Um, just two two paintings that are very similar in terms of the palette. And one is Busker Brown's and the other is McCambridge's. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, they are. There's a, It's a palette that I just really, really enjoy. It's um, a lot of paints grey, um, used to different dilutions. It can cover a multitude it's such a versatile colour isn't yeah, it yeah it's wonderful it's a very versatile colour um, and that combined with skin tones um, because I find that without skin tones um, it doesn't have the quite the same feel um, and then I'll use a pop of colour usually artificial light or some other colour but I, I'm very into design so um, I have a very strong aesthetic uh, sense um, so I like my paintings to be nice and tasteful and to fall into a nice limited palette and uh, not not shout or clash with each other and that comes through I have to say in all of your work there's always those pops of colour there's the uh, guiding you in there's the characters that are in there it's very nice actually it's like a story in some ways Mm. and uh, it is a story I was saying to my my new publisher actually a couple days ago um, that uh, the drawings and the writing each of them are not complete on their own. So something else is made. This A sketch with uh, an on-location story is a new thing. It's an actual, it's reportage, whatever you want to say. But this illustrated reportage, it's not quite that either because that makes it sound terribly serious like it might have been, you know, recorded yeah. in a war zone. This is just life. 
it's just life. It's life through the eyes of another human. Illustrated life, actually, mm. is is what it is. But actually, and and the final one, actually, uh, which is on on that I'd like to talk about on, on this was Kava, which is definitely illustrated life. That's a that's that's the opposite of everything I've said in terms of limited palette. That is an explosion of yeah. color. But how could you go to Kava, a Spanish restaurant, and not not portray the hot colors yeah. that uh, that I found there? But in a sense, um, sometimes I describe to people in a way that is a limited palette, in the sense that it's a rainbow palette. So that is also, uh, in other words, I wouldn't. I, I keep it very balanced and I keep the colors very intense. So um, there's, I hope there's never any 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 risk of clash in my scenes. And um, I often tell people who are worried about using color, um, just stick to a very small limited palette. And by that, I don't mean red, blue and yellow, which can do a multitude of colors. I mean, literally stick to just a few colors appearing on your page. And there's, I do talk about that in my second book quite a lot. Yes. And actually on that particular painting as well, your eye travels a lot all the way around all the various details that are on the wall uh, in, on the side uh, the picture the people uh, there's a lot there's a lot of lot going on actually there's there a I lot, have to say. there's a lot going on yeah Okay, so so Roisin, um, that's super. Look, I, I, uh, that's given me a huge uh, insight into your life's work, uh, and, and such an interesting one, I have to say. So, thanks very much. Thank for you, being Frank. And if I could just um, finish off with telling you that I have a new book coming out. Um, it's got about uh, ten days worth um, of of drawings and and sketching to finish it off, um, and it's an Urban Sketchers Dublin. So that should get you Brilliant. all very be, excited. Let me know when that's out <laughs> and sure I will, will definitely be buying it. I, I sure That's will. great. I'm looking forward to that, I have to say. So, um, Roisin, thanks again. I got it all in my head, but I don't-